Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Adel Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adel Marcians, again, as we are powering down to the end of the year during this show. And more importantly, the, fi- the final few episodes of the show are coming in. Um, it's been a great run, but I want to welcome you guys with someone that is absolutely monumentally powerful. I've only spoken to them for a couple of minutes, but I can already tell you they are very similarly minded in the way that I think about copy. And if you've ever heard me speak about copy on other people's shows, you'll know that I'm a little bit of an obsessed asshole about this kind of thing in the best possible way. And my guest today isn't so much an asshole, but she is obsessed and things are fairly easy. Actually, I might take that back. She's a tiny bit of an asshole, but we love her for that, like a 10%, but you'll realize why during the show. Anyway, with that being said, my guest is the one and only Kimberly Masker. Kimberly, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. That was like the best introduction I've ever heard. And I I laugh about that only because recently on a Facebook ad, I talk about money, spirituality, and business, and people get very triggered. Someone called me a piece of shit. So I'm like, okay, asshole, I don't know. It all ties together. I go with asshole. (laughs) And the only reason I say that is because, okay, to give you guys an idea, and you, Kimberly, because you don't know this, my mother called me one lovingly after watching the best of season one of Suits. And she just turned to me and she's like, yeah, no, he is an asshole. After my, my friend was like, he's like, you know, he can be like that. And I was like, no, oh, no, yeah, you are. You're lovable, but you're an asshole. I was like, nice, mom, love you too. Um, with that being said, before we dive into it, because there's a lot that we need to cover here. Um, and this isn't going to be your typical podcast, as you guys can imagine. And Kimberly, welcome to the craziness. Uh, this show is, of course, uh, sponsored by KimberlyMasker.com. Please head on over there, like check out her website. It's absolutely brilliant. You can actually get onto her mailing list, figure out a little bit more about what we're going to be discussing today, which is, of course, figuring out um, what your gift is and more importantly, how to charge ethically, empath- empathetically, and within alignment of self with other businesses, because that is very important. And we are sponsored by greatestcopywriteralive.com. Head on over there, get your story selling matrix where we will show you exactly how to take any one of your stories and turn it into a marketing masterpiece. Now, that being said, Kimberly, my very first question right off the bat has to be, we've discussed the 10% asshole, but there is a little bit of a credibility build on why that's existed. Um, So you come from the Wall Street world initially, like you basically did do Wall Street for a while, and then you started your own firm, built it up to 165 million. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Of course, the big thing that happened in 08, hello, big short. And then from there, you kind of took some time figuring out your own gifts. And that's where my first question really is. How did you figure out your own gift? Because you went from like a high flying position to, okay, I don't know what your financial situation was like. Maybe you got out on top and you're like, you know what? I've got enough money to coast for like a little while. Um, But what was, even if you didn't have that or you did have that, specifically my question for you is what were the steps? Because there are a universal set of steps that no matter what position you're in, you can find what your truth is uh, and what what you're aligned to. So my question is, how did that start transform and become? That's a great question. So I'll start with the time while I was on Wall Street. And again, so nine of us came together, created this amazing firm, took it to $165 million company, and then 08 happened. And so I thought I was going to be financially set, but I didn't get out of the company quite in time. And so what happened was I, uh, I had that, that, that gnawing feeling in my stomach, and I knew I had to get out of what I was doing. 
So like everything in the world was saying, get out, get out, get out. Like my hair was falling out. I was eating too much. I was drinking too much. I was like anything I could do to like ignore and, and put aside what was going on. I was doing that. And my soul was just screaming like, get the hell out of here. But I, I, I allowed fear actually to step in. Cause I'm like, how am I going to create a job? Like, what am I going to do? And what am I going to, how am I going to live? And where am I going to live? And all that stuff gets in the way. So I took too long to leave the company because I was actually going to leave well before the market transitioned. And I took too long. I hemmed and I hawed and it cost me several million dollars. So by the time I got out, you, I thought I was going to be set, but I wasn't. And so, um, so yeah, I was kind of forced into uh, having to figure it out. <laughs> uh, okay. So let's, let's stop that because I have another question on the side here. The idea that you lost several millions of dollars, how do you like reconcile? Because like the thing is with people and that people don't understand this, when you've lost a lot of money, even like a hundred dollars or even like a thousand dollars, basically what you account to is a lot of money. That right there leaves like a psychological trauma of you making that money again in fear of losing it at the same level. And very few people know that's a deep rooted psychological pain yeah. because um, it creates a glass ceiling for you. So the question, my question for you on the side note here, while we're creating this other thing, like for later, how did you deal with that trauma? Like, how did you like put that aside? That's a, that's, this is amazing. Cause this is actually now part questions. of what I teach. Yeah. No, this is now part of what I teach because I realize, um, I don't know, money always came easy to me and it yeah. still does in its own way. But then after that, you're right. You, it seemed easy, 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 easy. You made all this money and then it was gone. And then you're like, holy shit. Like, wh what do I do now? Like, how, how do I, how do I come back from that? You've and so at the time, I think I was just so focused more in survival mode that I wasn't mm -hmm. paying attention to it as much. I was like, okay, I got to figure out how to make have money. You, wait, have you done your human design? Um, yes. <laughs> Are you a manifester? I am. I am a manifesting generator. Okay. That so, makes sense. I'm a manifest. And for the people at home, go to your human design. They're actually really fun to look at. Even if you don't yeah. believe in them, which again, I don't really quote unquote believe in them, but like they're quite funny to look at and quite interesting. They're fun pretty accurate i mean my, my they clients are accurate that's the that. thing that's really yeah. scary um, yeah that's the thing my clients are very into the i, I work with spiritual entrepreneurs and so yeah. they're very into that and it's it's actually there's a lot there i mean oh I yeah no i agree but like i say fun <laughs> because like i have an overarching belief and this is kind of like underneath that like it's more like explanation of how i think it's like giving maps more than anything yeah. to me than actual beliefs yeah it's like here's a map i was like oh uh, and anyway, going back into it to dealing with the trauma, but the reason I bring that up about money being easy is manifestors and manifest generators in particular find making money easy. But I do have a question about manifestors because I do know there are a lot that do listen to the show. So there is a question uh, which I will ask later on. Just remind me about okay, it. Okay, perfect. But let's get back into let's get back to healing with the trauma and then the steps to finding yourself because we're kind of like incepting questions yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah, and it, well, it all ties together truly. Yeah. So. So yeah, so I, you know, I think of the study at the time, I was really just focused on like, okay, what do I do now? So I was, that was the focus. And I ended up, um, funny enough, because it all seemed to make sense, because I traded mortgage, well, I didn't trade mortgage-backed securities, but the company I built did. And so as I'm looking at what I knew, I'm like, okay, what do I know? I've been, I've been in the mortgage world since I got out of college. I was 18, not to date myself, but I was in there for like 18 years. That's all I did. And that's what I knew. I mean, I, I was an expert. People would, other Wall Street firms would come to us to lay out, I helped, I helped design a system about from the moment a loan came in to the moment a loan left, I could see the whole process, process like and I was like, able to design it. Yeah. So yeah. I was like an integral part in that whole design of things. And so, so I, that's what I knew. So I'm like, 
what else do I know? So I ended up going kind of into the real estate world to flip houses, which was fun and is a great money maker. But I just, it, I'm like, this isn't it. I mean, I left the Wall Street world because I knew I wasn't really happy. And then I moved into this to make money, but I'm like, well, I'm still not happy. I'm like, this is okay. And then I had a, a traumatic event, we'll call it. My mom got very sick and within 26 days of knowing she was sick, she passed to the other side. And so that was a very big, like, thank you. Like that's that mo that's that moment where you're like kind of shaken loose. Now I was fortunate at that time that I was able to spend the entire month with her. I had just sold a bunch of houses. So I had money. I was like, I'm good. And I spent time with her and it's, it's an awakening process when you realize you watch someone and she was very much in denial and she was in denial about what was happening. And, and on top of that, part of, I, I believe what caused the cancer and all the stuff that happened was just, she lived a life of just regret and revenge, truly at the end of the day, a lot of anger, a lot of revenge, like mixed in there and regrets. And I was, it was a big thing for me. And as I sat talking with her every day about things, I started asking more about her past and she was always forthcoming with stories, but I uncovered more things. And I was like, huh this is not where I want to end up. I'm like, I got to figure this out. So yeah. I had just started going through my spiritual awakening right before that and reading some stuff that was getting me grounded. And if I hadn't started that process before she got sick and, and passed, I probably would have ended up like a raging alcoholic. I have actually, I have zero doubt. That's what would have happened if I hadn't wow. already been on that kind of like process of figuring out who I was and how to meditate and all of that. And so huge, huge piece of that. So, so then that got me to like settle into who I was. So she passes, I probably took, I think I took like eight months off after that. So, I mean, I, I was almost a year of just, and I was again, fortunate to be able to do that because I had been flipping houses and, and had made some money, but I took like a year to just figure out who I was and what I wanted to do. And what happened was I was doing, going these spiritual retreats here and there, and I could see how amazingly gifted many of these people are. And I'm like, how come people all over the world don't know about you. I'm like, why, why do people not know? And they were like, oh, well, this, they, this business thing was, that's like a trauma <laughs> for spiritual people is figuring out how to create a business. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, that's easy. And they were like, what are you talking about? And then I realized that was the bringing together of my, my gifts and my ability to, um, we were talking before we hit record that I can kind of like see businesses. And when I can see it lay out, I'm like, oh, that's easy to create. So now I take that gift that I didn't realize I had, which is actually what got me on Wall Street in hindsight, be able to see like the process of a loan and stuff. Like I realized that was what got me through all of that in a business sense. So I take that gift that I have and then my just love and just who I am as a spiritual being and being able to incorporate the two and help people find their purpose and, and live in prosperity, which is pretty amazing to watch that, that outcome happen for people. It is, and it's incredible because you hit so many freaking areas that my brain was like, I kind of need to ask. That's why I started like writing questions down. I was like, I gotta remember to ask for this. Um, uh, so when it comes down to like the ideas of essentially the steps that you took to find yourself during that time period, what would you say were the actual steps? It was probably more, and this is what people don't like to hear. This is probably more of the inner work to yeah. figure it out. Right. Oh, yeah. So I didn't take a lot of like physical steps. I like, I remember spending, uh, well, I'll share this. So when my mom passed away, I was in a relationship and we were living in this like three story modern house in LA with the lookout over the hill and the lights and all that stuff. And, um, I got out of the relationship. 
we weren't married, but I, I got out of the relationship. I sold everything. I mean, everything. I literally went from a 3,400 square foot house down to it. I found a little bungalow and it was uh, in this beautiful neighborhood. All the houses were like three, $5 million houses, but there was this one lot that had five little bungalows on it. And I rented this bungalow. It was like 800 square feet in the back, in the trees. And I spent, I would spend an entire day just meditating, like just sitting there going, what am I going to do? What do I need to do? And, and reading and meditating and just focused on who I was because part of the problem that most people have is that we haven't taken the look at who we are and because we don't know who we are, we don't know where we're going. Like if you don't know who you are, where the heck are you going to go? And so that, I think that's the biggest disconnect for most people. There's no like manual. It's like, Hey, here you are. And we talked about human design a bit and stuff. And like, you, you look at that and gene keys and things, there's things that start to show you who you are, but you've got to take the time to figure it out. And so I was, I, I took the time. I, that was really what I did is took the time and then just allowed things to come in. Cause my life had always been very magical that way. I just would say, I want to do this. And it would just happen. I would be like, I'm going to go here. It happened. I had, you know, I, couldn't live in New York. Of course I did. I'm, I'm on a house. I'm on an apartment on Fifth Avenue. I bought an apartment on Fifth Avenue. I wanted an apartment in Paris. I bought an apartment in Paris. Like I just, whatever I wanted, I just did. And so I knew that if I just came back to center, that I could make that all happen again and figure out what I wanted. And that's, so it was really the internal steps and work to figure out all of that stuff, <laughs> which is scary. No, that's the <laughs> stuff I actually wanted you to go down and talk about, because like, again, I'm not like, I think you're figuring out and finding out that no, we don't actually want the normal questions and answers yep. on the show. We want the real shit. Um, <laughs> I got it. <laughs> yeah, we go straight in. This is how I do this. So like looking at that from the same perspective, and again, I did touch upon this question a little bit early on. Again, this is the question I want to like jump down one of the rabbit holes with. And it was essentially around manifestors. Because again, like I said, there are a lot of people that do human design that do listen to the show from time to time. And this is also more for me as well. No, that's the reason I have a show. You get to ask the questions that you want to ask. Yeah. Um, when it comes down to like manifestors, one of the problems that I've actually found for myself and other people I know that are manifestors is like we're really good at finding money, finding contacts, getting what we want, but we just don't know how to get that. It's like, um, like you can have the idea... It's like, oh yeah, I've got this idea. I'm gonna go execute. You execute, and the money, and everything just comes. And it's like, it's here. But then other times, you're like, I want to go do this, and then you just do nothing. Like, there's no like drive to do anything, and you're like, but why isn't it working right now? So essentially, how do you more intentionally manifest, create, and actually attract those things into your world? If we're gonna go a little bit spiritual to the people at home, they're like, oh really? Yes, listen, dickhead, it's important. <laughs> it's so important. I mean, this is. I don't know. My belief system is like, this is, this is how we are supposed to be living. And it's not supposed to be hard. Okay, it's just, so it's not. I'm going to pause you for one second. Sorry, but this is the only yeah. thing I'm going to say. Cause some people will be like, Oh, beliefs. It's me. No. Okay. Uh, I think I said it earlier, but let's say it again. Think of it as maps. All we're doing right now is giving you maps on, I want to make more money. Well, here's a map. You don't need to believe shit. You just need to follow what's on the map and you'll get that. So and if you know the map works, I always tell my clients, I'm like, look, you're going to come in. I have a map for you. I actually say that to them. And I'm going to tell you how to get to the treasure. And I'm like, and if you want to go off in the woods, you're welcome to, but I don't know why you would. Cause here's the map. <laughs> I'm like, Just follow the damn map and you'll get there. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people want to follow a goddamn map. 
But let's do talk about the map festival. Yeah. So the so the map, you know, again, this is a big piece of what I teach. And I've evolved so much watching myself do things. And I, I watch myself make a lot of money. So one of my, uh, uh, what is my, my patterns, we'll call it. So one of my patterns in life has been to make a lot of money and then the money's gone. And then you make a lot of money and then the money's gone. Yep. So that's a pattern that I've been highly aware of and I and I believe I have now the the map to figure out how to stop that <laughs> so so it's it's and I look at patterns a lot so this is that mapping of patterns and it's it's this is I'll tell you this that's just how I found my husband because I got married much later in life than most people would and um because I waited but I didn't, I can't even say I was like I was just waiting for the right person no, no, I, was you, really, you, I was really I was really more looking. just I was you, looking, but I wasn't ready to find the, the man the, the that I right, wanted to right attract. Yeah. I, well, I wasn't ready to receive him is what yeah, it was. Yeah, basically, essentially, you were doing the thing that yep. I find many people in our shoes do, which is, yeah, I'm in a relationship. This is supposed to be the right person. I'm actually really excited about this. This is a good person. Yeah, year and a half. Okay, we need to break up. <laughs> and then it's just like, why? Um, two years, break up. Or like six months. Break, like There's always like a point where something happens like, oh, no. Sorry, no, yeah. I was wrong. I'm sorry. I thought I saw, I tracked it. And you're like, I thought you were going to go this way, but turns out you're actually heading this way and that's not where I want to go. So, bye. well, here's the kicker. The man, people may not like this, is that it has nothing to do with the other person. Nothing. It's all it to do with you. It's all with internal yeah. shit. The internal. So, what I did, so when I was finally very serious, I was out of Wall Street. My mom had passed and everything. I was like, okay, I think it's really time for me to be like, have a have a serious relationship and so i looked at my patterns of my relationships this is not a pretty thing to do if you sit down and you look at the patterns of your relationship how did they start how did they end what happened and you're like oh my god it's like there was this there was a very significant pattern so then i had to do the inner work to change the pattern well, i've been doing the same thing with money and i teach my clients how to do that too is we look at their money patterns because there's not only are there many beliefs about Oh God. I mean, we've been conditioned with so much nonsense around money. It's insane. And, and I actually, you know, I'll say this, I believe, especially for the healers of the world, like the people that I work with, that I think that they've been told that money is bad and that we're not supposed to have it. And there's all this negative stuff around it to keep us down because especially as healers, when, if you're thriving, and the biggest thing for, for spiritual people is because of these money beliefs, they're always struggling with money. So that's where their energy goes. But if you were thriving, imagine what we could all imagine how amazing we could all be in the things we'd accomplish if we were thriving and not worrying about money. So I, I, I see money as a test. I think it actually is our biggest test here on this planet because it's a universal test. Everyone on this planet needs it. It's how the structure has been set up. So instead of shunning it and pushing it away, I'd show my clients, like, how do we look at your patterns so you can bring it in so that, and have a relationship with it. Not so like relationships, yes, with the spouse, but you need to have a relationship with money because if you don't care for it, if you don't enjoy it, then it's not going to come to you. It's going to be just like in a relationship, you treat your spouse or your girlfriend badly. They're going to be like, fuck you. And they're going to leave. So the money does the same thing. <laughs> it's all, it's all the same thing. It's going to be like, no, I don't want to be here. So I'm again, looking at patterns. So how I did that relationship pattern, I did a money pattern and I can see the patterns and I have my clients do the same thing. And initially they think like, oh, I don't really have any patterns. And then we get in there, they're like, oh, yeah. we all have money patterns. <laughs> we all do. Oh, it's yeah. the same, like we all have types of relationships as well. <laughs> like, 
uh, it took one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. She sat me down. She goes, yeah, you do know you have a physical type of person that you date with. I was like, no. She goes, and then she was like, look at every woman you've dated and just look for the, she actually pointed out the market. She goes, sometimes you go away from these, but this is who you're usually, like, this is the attractive face to you. I was like, Aww. oh, <laughs> that makes sense. Because in my weird ass theory of my thought pattern is like, if that person's attractive to me, then maybe I'm attractive to them. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> do that pattern. It's not always going to work. It's not 100% of a system. It's like kind of more flawed than anything else, but it's funny. But you can do yeah. the same thing for business and money. Mm-hmm. You look at your own problems. You look at exactly what goes on. You plug up the wells and you go backwards. And as a creative, not going to lie, the whole money situation and conversation is scary. That's yeah. the reason I have a financial mentor helping me because shout out to Connie. She's awesome. You guys are going to hear from her if you haven't already. Now, kind of like, side moving along from that perspective because i do want to talk about um something in particular my brain is actually kind of going what was the thing that we wanted to talk about i'm like it's right in front of you and you're being an idiot um (laughs) pardon me for just one moment before i quickly just chat in um but when it comes down to like the idea of aligning yourself with exactly what you want and how you put it together as in, as in a set of st- steps, because you've done all the internal work, now comes the external work. Because yeah. sometimes what can happen when you go through the internal work, you can burn yourself and burn yourself out because like, oh my God, there's so much stuff wrong with me. How do I even do this? Why would I even get started? And then the I'm not worthy bullshit starts to begin and all the thought processes around that. So my question for you initially, because it's not the one I wanted to ask that's coming up at the moment, is how do you deal with those voices and start to take the first steps? Because it's like, if you haven't worked out for a while, and you want to start working out, you want to work out, but you just, it, no, it's not a thing. It's like, I don't have the drive. I'll take the time off. Like, how do you get around that? So again, people aren't going to hear this. I, I have to admit when I first started down like the spiritual path and I was reading all these books and I was hearing all the voices in people's heads, I was like, really? So I somehow am unique in that I don't have all those crazy voices of unworthiness and stuff that I can't Oops. do things like that. Does that actually doesn't happen oh, for me? By the way, I, I don't just mean those voices. I mean, like, there's so many other voices, but no, uh, if we're gonna, okay. Even yeah. as someone that doesn't have it, because to be fair, this would be very interesting because you have clients that have it, do you not? Yes. So, let's, so yeah, how so do I know. you deal with it from that perspective? <laughs> So, so it actually, so I, I study a lot and talk a lot about the power of the subconscious mind. So if you guys have never read any Joseph Murphy, you've got to go pick up some Joseph Murphy books. So, any recommendations? Actually, um, you know what? Tell us later. Tell us okay. later. Okay. actually called the power of the subconscious mind. So he has oh, a bunch, shit. but yeah. Wait, is that, is that the, okay. Cause that's the book I literally got told by another person to read and I picked it up. It's on my, it's on my next you gotta read list. It. It's, it's the next yeah. one I'm listening to. Yeah, it's a, it's a must, and I have all this stuff, and 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 there's many other people that are in that realm, but it's just he speaks the most clearly. So I actually, if I have a client that I can feel is really stuck, we start there. I'm like, because you've got to train your mind, just like going to the gym. If you want a great body, you've got to go to the gym. Well, if you want a great business, you've got to train your mind. Actually, a great life. Let's just go with a great life. You want a great life, you have to train your mind. There's just there's no other way around it. And what happens is we get really lazy with our thoughts, and that's why most people struggle. Okay, I'm actually going to give this even further, by the way, as a thing, because I know there's something most people are not going to want to hear, and especially those people are on the way up, and this is a trap you need to be fucking aware of that I wish that I got told. Even after you break past the six-figure income, you're going to reach a new level of plateau of lazy. And because of that, you now need to retrain your brain to go to the next level up. It's like yeah. you will still, like, you'll have problems that you quote unquote shouldn't have based on society, but you will have because you have money patterns and broken patterns in the way that you do things. 
just be aware that when you reach that level, the next level up is really now doing everything that you've done to get there, like reading books like The Palace of Conscious Mind, everything you've done to get there, you now have to go back and go through those same trainings again, but reinforce yeah. it with a new belief system. New belief. Because otherwise yeah, it's, gonna, it's gonna fuck you over. And I wish I knew that, but that, sorry to jump into you. <laughs> no, that's a, that's, a, that's a huge point because um, I think I, Russell, no Brunson's, Russell Brunson said this and the way he said this was like, it just clicked. Um, who do you have to become to have the business you want? It's like, and I knew that I just had never said the words that way. And as soon as I heard Russell Brunson say it, I'm like, oh, I'm like, I'm, I'm taking that phrase. Who do you I, have to become? No, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm going to give the original quote. That, oh, who was, that okay, Jim, where did it come the, from? The original quote is from Jim Rohn. And the original oh, okay. quote actually, or it actually came from Jim Rohn's mentor, who I don't know the name of. So either Jim Rohn's mentor or Jim Rohn, either one. Okay. And it's, have the, was it, have the goal of a million dollar business not for the million dollars, but because of who you need to become in order to earn the million dollars. And the important yeah. part is who you have to become. So what Russell said is true, but- He wasn't the original. <laughs> let's, let's quote the original source yeah. material and how it's been broken down further, but that is the original source material. So Perfect. have to give Jim Rohn his due because Jim yeah. Rohn is the boss. He, is, <laughs> he was it. one of my first teachers. So I have to okay. show love. Beautiful. No, that's fantastic. Thank you for letting me know where that came from. Cause I mean, that's a huge piece. Like for me personally, so I have this, I have this ceiling I've created of about 185,000 a month. Yeah. I, crossing 200,000 a month is this thing that I'm like, okay, there's, there's a thing there, there's definitely a thing. So I'm like, okay, what, so that, so that's my focus now. It's like, what is that belief that's keeping me at from crossing 200,000 a month? I'm like, what is that? So there's, and you will do that constantly. I mean, I have the way I've structured my programs, I have my clients who are, um, they want to be spiritual coaches and they're brand new. Like they haven't coached anyone before. So they have, I've, I used to have it as one program and I've separated between them and the people who have had clients because it's an entirely different mindset. Yes. And it is the mindset that gets us to a business. Like if you look at all the marketing stuff, what I teach, what everyone teaches and all that, it's the same stuff. We're not teaching anything wild and crazy new. When someone does webinars, well, someone does most. Facebook groups, it's the same stuff, but it's the mindset that makes the difference. That's how you succeed. If you're not doing, again, the work on your mind, if you're not training your mind, the things that you want will never show up for you. So it's, it's that training of the mind. So that's why I work with my clients on, especially my clients that have never had, they've never made money from their spiritual gifts before. That's a big thing for them. It's like, there's all these beliefs that am I worthy? Can I do this? And so we work a lot on reprogramming their subconscious mind. And then in the combination way that I talk about it is also then tapping into, I say source, God, infinite intelligence, whatever word works for people. But we, if you believe that there's a higher being, a higher power out there, then that's flowing through us, then we're always safe. There's always that connection. And so what happens too, I think when people fall into fear and this unworthy and all this, they forgot who they are because who we are as our core being has this infinite intelligence flowing through us. We're divine substance. It's in everything. There's intelligence in everything. And if we can remember that and come back to who we are, then the fears and everything go away, but we forget. And we, you know, this might be too spiritual. When, you, when we came in, oh, we, 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 were, we were told, we, we knew we were going to forget. 
So who we were when we decided to come back into this dimension, to this planet called Earth and this process of being born in, this birthing in, we knew we'd forget. So it's part of the game because this is just a big game. So part of the game is we were going to forget and part of the game is to remember. And that's why there's the age old question they've been asking since the millennium of the beginning of time is who are we? <laughs> right? Because we were supposed to forget. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you look at a lot of religious teachings, they even have like stuff on I can only speak about Islam at any level of commitment to this. And I hope I'm not like, if there is a Muslim out there that's like, oh my God, you misquoted. Email me and tell me why I misquoted because I really do like, once I have evidence, I happily change things. Um, but one of the ones that came up for me was, um, you know, you're basically encouraged to seek the origins of yourself. Seek your own origins is encouraged, which kind of annoys me that in the last 150 years, we as people, for some reason, have decided landmarks that were once okay to go and explore our sacred ground that we can't walk into anymore like you can't go up and touch the freaking like pyramids anymore you can't do that you can't go out to like um certain areas that them being tours and guided no people used to sleep there before because it was a safe haven for them but alas that's just my own bullshit around like not being able to go explore things but essentially seek your own origins and i like the fact that you have that that you can actually almost forget who you were before you came in and the game is trying to remember that is beautiful because it's true you are seeking your own origins in some way shape or form um one of the things i did want to ask you if we can go into a little bit more of the steps and i know i'm going to be an asshole about this but like three simple things really someone could do that is going through that whole i'm not worthy bullshit what are three things they can just start to do in order to undo that yep so usually the I'm not worthy, we'll use that because that's a, that's that's a, a very common people. one. That's yeah. huge. So it's usually triggered by something. So first we need the awareness of what causes us to think that. So what's the, what's the situation? Is it usually, is it a parent that told it to you? So you hear it over and over when you're going to go tell your parents something like, what is, where did it, I don't and I don't care where it came from, actually. Like some people are like, I want to go back to a past life. I don't really care where it came from. Let's just fix it now. So yeah. let's just have the awareness right now of what's the trigger for the thought. Because you need to have awareness before you can shift it. If you're not aware that you're thinking of it, then you can't fix it. So we need to bring the awareness in. So you need to first look at where's when does it happen? If you can start to catch when it's happening, then you're like, okay, I know this thought happens in this situation. So then... What, you, what I have my clients do actually is I have them take their most triggering situations and you work on that first situation. So let's just say, I don't know, let's say it's a, a brother, okay? So you're or a sibling, right? There's a sibling. When you guys get together, there's an immediate trigger about whatever and it turns into some argument. So I'm like, well, first you have the awareness that that's the trigger piece of what happens. So you now you know the next time you see your sibling that shit's gonna go down. So, so when you now, now that you know that you have that awareness, so then you can, you can start to build your muscles around it. So I take whatever thought or words you would say, and we, we create um, kind of like we reframe everything. So what's the reframe? So if it's that I'm not worthy, it's like, okay, who do I have to become to do this? Or if it's like, uh, you know, this guy's, I don't know, what's another good one, but we'll, we'll stick with the, I'm not worthy, but I'm not worthy to do this. And you can even reframe it as, is, you know, I'm learning on how to be the best version of me. And, okay. and I'm getting to that point, like whatever the reframe is for you that helps you relax into it. And then when that situation happens, I actually have them go into that situation. And so now, you know, you're going to be triggered and now, you know, a new frame, new reframing for everything. And then it's practice. 
because now you have to practice. You have to like, it's, it's cause you're, you're reconditioning yourself. You're retraining yourself to have a different response because we are so uh, triggered by things and we react, right? Most people react 90% of the time. Someone says something, they react. Someone says something, they react. They see something, they react. Facebook posts, they react. We have to get to the point where we are mastering ourselves enough that we're no longer reacting, but we're responding because we've done the work to know who we are and how we would react and we've retrained ourselves so then we can respond. So I try to get my clients to go from reaction to response. And if you can begin to respond, then you're, you're not like flying off the handle anymore. What's really interesting, I actually believe that for a very long time in our society, we were actually responsive instead of reactive. I mean, we have been reactive, but the reactivity was a lot more responsible than it was just yes. pure reaction. It's where agree to disagree came in from because that was responsibility. Now we're so hardlined in the way that we are that everything is like offensively reactive. It's like so sensitive. If you touch it, just like flies off the handle. You're like, really? Ridiculous. Oh, like, I know. It just I... shows how weak we've become as humans, though, because that's to me, that's a weak human. Yeah, someone who's offended, know? someone who's offended and reacts and flies off the handle, you're a weak human. And yeah. there's nothing more dangerous than a weak human. Oh, no, there isn't. Especially remember what we like to say. Um, it's, you know, I'm more scared of a single lion leading an army of sheep than an army of lions being led by a sheep. And annoyingly, the best thing you can have is a lion or lioness, if you will, whatever you want to call it, yeah. leading an army of other lions because it all kind of works as a pack. But the reality is a weak human is dangerous because they, they clump together so quickly and they end up basically creating a louder voice than there is. This is what narrative play becomes. And yep. if you have never read the book Propaganda or Crystallizing Public Opinion by Edward Bernays, I recommend both. They are both books great for understanding how propaganda and media work from a business yep. perspective. Told yeah. you, we're going to get some business shit in here. But if you want to, they all even throw in, if you haven't read any Dr. Jordan Peterson stuff, that's like highly recommended because okay. you can understand how the people are oh, thinking to create that. Yeah, we're, we're people here. Now for any one of my friends, detractors and people like, screw Jordan Peterson, please go listen to his lectures first before telling me to screw Jordan Peterson because here's the thing. Um, we have forgotten to do this one thing called separation or creating a vacuum. And by creating a vacuum, they teach this at law school, you create a moral vacuum. That's how you can become a defense attorney. Um, what you do is the truth is the most learned people, you know, picked up knowledge from places they shouldn't be looking because a true person that wants to know things, they're not disparaging of source. They're disparaging of intent. So for instance, I just gave you guys crystallizing public opinion and propaganda by Edward Bernays. Do you know who actually last read that book famously, like that we all kind of know of? Joseph Goebbels. It was amongst his personal effects when he was found at the end of the war. He's a Nazi, by the way, for the people who don't know history. He's the reason the Nazi party got to where they are. He was using Edward Bernays' strategies used for Uncle Sam as a way to nationalize and radicalize the entire country. So you can see you can get knowledge from both good and bad areas. Yeah. And if you don't like Dr. Jordan Peterson, my always thing is read his stuff first. Right. Watch his, in, like, don't watch his interviews that have been manipulated. Watch his lectures at university on subjects around psychology and why we think the way we do. 
And yes, if you look at his background, yes, a lot of the stuff he actually says for the people who say that he's, oh, he's so he hateful or whatever. No, he's actually more disparaging of men than he is of women. Yes. Um, because his entire critique of men today, he's like, this is what man, men psychology blueprint looks like. This is how men today behave. And you're wondering why there's a mismatch in how they think and how they behave. It's because they're not given the opportunity to connect the two together. And by given, I don't mean society from society. I mean, themselves, their own personal freedoms. You don't give yourself those freedoms. Um, yeah. And that basically does come from belief systems that, you know, unfortunately we pick up and there was a whole psychological rant here we can go into, but we won't. Because yeah. <laughs> I was feeling it coming on. I was like, don't, it's fine. But anyway. We'll move, we'll move on. Because <laughs> that could be a big on. conversation. No, I don't mind. Like, it's one of those subjects I'm really into. But, like, again, at the same time, it's a time and a place. Like, I can have this conversation with you off air a little bit, and I know we'll both get along with it. Whereas I know someone out there will be like, hey, fuck you, Adil. My personal favorite was someone gave me a one star rating for saying that I was self promoting. What's really funny was they didn't, I actually asked them what episode it was because the self promotion is only at the very beginning of a show. At the very end, the middle is, as you have found out, I don't speak as much. Or if I do, it's usually to counterpoint points out anyway back to questions that i do want to ask you because there are a few more and again i'm conscious of time <laughs> it's a thing you're a fun person to talk to i was say we could do this for hours i have a feeling <laughs> oh we really could so we've got to do this like we'll have a chat later on but what i was going to ask was essentially one of the questions that um really came to me early on they did want to ask you and i was like oh I'll come back to this which was essentially the myth that your clients go away as you raise your price. And again, this is something that a lot of people believe and it's coupled in with this other idea of being selfish. Now you actually do talk about being selfish in a much more different way. And for me, one of my first teachers that taught me, this was Randy Gage. Uh, And it was being selfish is one of the best things you can do because you can give from a fuller cup uh, rather than an empty cup. So my question realistically here is twofold. Number one, how do you actually become more selfish if you've been a people pleaser your entire life? I'm not, but I know I have tendencies um, and I have friends that have tendencies. So this is great for them. That's number one. Um, And number two, actually, that's a lie. I'm a people pleaser when I'm under stress, which I've realized is a thing. Mm. Um, Number two, which is very important here, is how do you overcome that fear that, um, not fear, sorry. My brain is literally running on rattles today. Um, How do you overcome that myth, essentially, that clients will not want to work with you if you raise your prices? So essentially, part one, how do you become selfish to raise your prices? And number two, how do you deal with the fear and the anxiety that comes from raising prices? Yeah. So, well, the selfish part, I mean, you know, again, this is like, I think we've just been conditioned so much by stuff out there to get us to think in the wrong way. And Mm -hmm. it, and it, it, it doesn't help us, but it helps others. And so we just have to think about like, what, why have we been told these things and where are they coming from? And when it comes to being selfish, it's like the most selfish thing you could do actually is to overdo for other people because all you've done is weaken who you are and now you really can't serve. So, I mean, selfish being in a negative, in negative way, it's like, that's don't, don't do that. Like you need to be as powerful you are. And then let's flip around what selfish means in a positive way. And to be selfish is to care for you. And it's not even selfish. So I'd like to reframe that because selfish, we've, we, well, first of all, if you actually look at the definition, it can go both ways. But if you're yep. looking at how we've been conditioned to hear it, we hear it as being a negative thing. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I can't be selfish. And so let's, let's remove the conditioning that we've had around the word. And let's like, look at what that means. It's to really, to be, to care for ourselves first. 
because we can't, you know, we all hear it. You can't get what you don't have, put your oxygen mask on first. But, you know, they are a little cliche, but it's so true. I mean, if you're spread thin doing things for everyone else, then you can't take care of yourself. So then you're giving everyone just a little. You're giving them a little piece of, of, of nonsense, really, a little this, a little that. Instead of being a whole being and being solid and being prosperous and being just the best version of you, and then you think about how much more can you give? And you may have to give in a different way, though, because most people think like if I'm, you know, most of the people who just are the over givers, they're giving a little here. I'm going to take this person there. I'm going to help this person with this pro problem. I'm going to talk to this friend for this. And so you've got to stop the little things that aren't actually serving. So here's the problem is that we think we're serving and we're not. We're actually usually hurting people. So when you get on the phone with your best friend and you hear them bitching about something that happened, you're actually hurting them and you're hurting yourself. So we need to reframe what it means to help. So this so, is a big quick question. Why, how are you hurting them and how are you hurting yourself? Well, Again, because you're... I know someone's thinking yeah. this. Yeah, I know. They're like, what is she talking about? No, it's great. Because, um, well, you're hurting them because you're allowing them to sit in the negative emotion of what's happened. Like they're telling a story. And when we tell our story, sometimes, you know, again, we've got that water cooler sense where we're like, we want to go complain and we want to go find the people that understand what we're talking about. So we feel like we're being heard, but I don't know how that helps us to rehash things that make us more upset. Cause now all we're doing is just sitting in that. I talk a lot about vibration, the vibration and energy of being pissed off. And that, that doesn't help your body. That doesn't help your mind. That doesn't help anyone else around you. So when you're allowing someone to um, continually speak about things that are a problem, you're just, you're feeding the, it's, if you're making, you're making everyone sick, actually, energetically. And I actually just did a monologue in my, with my clients the other day about the words that we speak and the importance of the vibration of what we're saying and how we're speaking, because we, we are creative beings and part of our creation. If we go to the Bible, let there be light. I mean, our words are what creates and people are so freaking lazy with their words. It's kind of disgusting. Yeah, I know it's a wordsmith. <laughs> I'm a copywriter right. by trade because I love words, but also um, spells, spelling, words, yeah, wizardry. <laughs> literally all words around the same thing literacy wasn't actually a thing that became what it was until the last 150 years and we're growing mm. and even more so as we increase literacy around the world in places what you'll realize is you are able to shift realities through words yeah yeah because what you say and what you read becomes your truth yeah that's that's so beautifully said that's it and so when we're allowing someone to speak disparagingly about whatever it is they're just hurting them so you you think you're helping them by getting on the phone and listening but all you're doing is creating more of the problem do you really want to help them be the best version of you stand in your light your power of who you are and and be an example be a leader lead by example this is how i live my life you don't you know you, you don't i don't know i don't call anyone to tell them when there's an issue i go within my husband and i may talk about it but other than that it's like i have to deal with things i'm not gonna i'm not gonna put that on someone else Unless I'm asking for it, actually just advice. I'm like, here's this, what, what would your advice be? But just to talk about it, if you don't have an end goal of what that conversation is, then don't have the conversation. So we have to, we have to realize when we're helping, really helping, what does it really mean to help? And what it really means to help is to help everyone be the best version of themselves. And so you have to be the best version of yourself first. I'll throw in a Jordan Peterson, make your bed first, right? You gotta, get, exactly. you gotta take care of yourself first, your own house first. And then, and then you can help others. Like, like these people, you know, everyone, even my clients, they'll be like, you know, I want to save the world and I want to help all these people. And I'm like, great. So 
you've got to do the inner work. I mean, the, my, the biggest opportunity for growth for my clients when they first come to me is I will not allow them to fall into the kind of that nonsense that we experience in the world today. And I hold them in their highest light. They will kick, they will scream. They end up, some of them end up hating me, whatever. I don't care because I'm going to hold them in their highest light and see their greatest potential. And I will not budge on it. And that's what we all need to be doing. And, you know, I'm training them to be spiritual leaders, to do this for other people, but this is just basic human stuff that we should all be doing. This is it's not really about, I want to be a spiritual coach. This is like basic things that humans should be doing to be the best version of themselves and holding everyone else in their highest potential instead of allowing the nonsense we allow, we allow to happen today. It's like, it's crazy. We I do. think I don't know if I answered your question, but. <laughs> you kind of did in a really long thought out way, but we got there in the end, which is fine. <laughs> I was just taking notes. Uh, so quick question for you as well as we actually get to this point in life. And it's actually very relative to what we were just discussing right now is we know life will invariably kick you in the gonads. It has a thing of doing that. Ladies think ovaries, men think <laughs> testicles, other think place that hurts really badly that you never want to be kicked. There's a place. Everyone has one. Mm-hmm. Um, my question to you is. How the hell do you actually protect the one thing, which is, of course, your confidence and ability to do during those times? Mm. How do you keep the ship afloat? Yes. And I think I'm going to go back to you. I was talking about a little bit earlier about our connection with source, God, infinite intelligence. If you don't believe there's a higher being, then I think your life would be, you're almost like a nihilist. It would be incredibly difficult to, I think, proceed in this planet. I really would. There has to be this extra belief. And when you really kind of tap into that, you can see that you can see yourself create and manifest and then you know it's true. And so if we can just come back to that connection and again, retraining our, our mind and seeing the situation is I'll say this, my clients have all gone through crazy stuff. I there, I'm almost not surprised when I hear a story, but my clients have gone through some stuff. Most people are like, how do you even survive that? But they all knew they had a greater purpose. And so they also saw that as a lesson the only reason why we get kicked in the gonads like that is because we haven't been paying attention to who we should be. We're missing our greatest potential. So the universe and the world will come and kick us in the ass to, to knock us down to, if we're not paying attention. If you're constantly paying attention and you're growing, and I talked earlier about patterns, if you're looking at the patterns of your life and you're working to be a better person, you don't get kicked in the gonads as much because you're working on that. You're working on the things that are gonna help you reach your highest potential. But when we ignore that, that's when the universe kicks you in the ass because it's like, dude, wake up. Like, what are you doing? That's a wake up call. So when you guys get kicked for some reason, huge wake up call, whether it's financially, in a relationship, a job, an accident, like whatever Life. that is, that, I mean, my clients have gone, the, again, the things that they've experienced, I, I hear them, I'm like, I can't believe they're actually sitting here talking to me at that point. But they know, they, they, they're seeing the lesson in it. And when you can see the lesson and learn from the lesson, then that pattern stops repeating. So we have to stop the, if we don't like a pattern in our life, we have to figure out, well, what's the lesson so we can then expand as a human being to reach our highest potential and go to the next level. But if we ignore it, that's why we have the patterns is because it keeps happening until we finally see it. And if you ignore it long enough, it becomes a big thing that happens. It becomes a car accident and you have a near death experience or something really happens. You get super sick, whatever. Something really happens to shake you awake. And those that don't wake up, 
move on and those that do wake up, wake up to then share that experience with people. That's actually very powerful in its own way because again, life will test you in different ways and yeah. it'll catch you. And again, it's how are you gonna how are you gonna respond? And again, one of the things I can actually give you guys that really helps, gratitude. Because yeah. you can't be in gratitude if you can't be in fear, scarcity, anger, pain, if you're being grateful. Yeah. Like it's like one of the strangest things. And you can be like, I have nothing to be grateful. <laughs> you're alive. <laughs> you can write. You can talk, you can see, you can move. You have some function that someone else doesn't. You can think, you can speak the language that the majority of people in the Western culture do. You can read, you know, there's, yeah. there, there's a lot of advantages you have of being grateful for those minute things only grow. And surprisingly, what happens is that you find peace with it all, like in a strange manner, you really do. Yeah. Um, and this leads me to one of my favorite questions because you started recommending books, Ali, and I told you not yet. <laughs> but I have to also ask, are you a cinephile? Do you like movies as well or no? I don't, I'm not a movie watcher. I mean, occasionally, sometimes it's just you, but it's-, it's Wait, are you one of those people it. that kind of this... floods, are you one of those people that just floods their entire world with the stuff they're like, okay, if I just want to live a good life, someone like, flood it with only this stuff that I'm really into and movies and TV shows and stuff like that because they do have a lot of energetic differences as well that they can affect you more than say other people. Right. Is that it's, where you're at? Yeah, it's kind of like, I don't know. I start looking at things and I go, how does that serve me? That's what I basically mean. That doesn't mean. serve me. And I'm like, that's not going to serve me. I'm not going to do it. So if I feel like I need some downtime and I want to watch something silly, I'll watch something silly. But what's really interesting is it's very difficult to watch anything without seeing the symbols of what they're doing to us I, which way you know which is kind of contradictory because i believe we kind of create what we have but i no, watch no, the symbols of what's happening and i'm like it's it's we do difficult create, to watch <laughs> i was gonna say we do create our reality but let's be honest you gotta know psychological warfare is being waged yeah. And I'm not yeah. being conspiracy not on this. Please go look at histories of how human right. development actually works from an influence perspective. And for anyone that's like, that sounds conspiratorial, go check out thegreatestcopyrightyourlife.com. I have a whole blog post about this just there waiting okay. for you. So it'll be fun um, <laughs> by the time the show comes out. Anyway, with that being said, I'm going to ask you your five favorite books that you would recommend to anyone. Actually, because you like reading, I'll give you 10. Because you oh have like ten. And these are, by the way, these are, they don't all have to be business. They don't all have to be mindset or spiritual. They could be just 10 books. You're like, you know what, bud, or lady, oh, okay. or friend. So we're go. Here are 10 books that will help you. Ten. Oh, okay. We're going to have to keep count. So let's see. I'll say this. If anyone is kind of on their spiritual journey and they're trying to figure out, like, what is the hell is she talking about? One of my first book that I read that was really big for me is actually a Deepak Chopra book, and it's called The Spontaneous Fulfillment of Desire. And I always feel like when someone's in the beginning stages of awakening and trying to understand that book really explains things for them. So spontaneous fulfillment of desire, huge change for, for me. And then followed that up with the power of now by Eckhart Tolle, which um, is a little more, it's a little harder to read, but it's about being present. But that book, those, but the Eckhart Tolle book actually got me through my mother's death and the Deepak Chopra book got me through my first awakening. So those Could to me are remind me of the other Eckhart Tolle book just real quick, Power Now. Power Now. Yeah, yep. that book Power is now. hard to read through. Yeah, it is hard to read. Yeah. <laughs> audio book. Like... Audio book. Yeah. <laughs> your, that's your out. Get the audio. Yeah. 
So let's see. So from the spiritual that, and then from a money perspective, because everyone's like, how do I create abundance? Um, uh, Catherine Ponder, who's no longer in this dimension, but Catherine Ponder's uh, Dynamic Laws of Prosperity um, is amazing. That's really amazing. And then uh, Stuart Wilde has one that's uh, the trick to getting money is having some. That's also, that's a fun, that's a fun, uh, fun book. Oh, which would lead me to, oh gosh, I'm not going to remember his name. Hold on. Is it here? Um, oh, it's a great book and a bunch of people I'm sure it. read it, but it's Go the guy it. that's the publisher. He's an English publisher and, and it's about, it's about making money, but he's hilarious. And I, Felix Dennis. That's it. Thank Dennis you. Felix, that's that's it. Yeah. Uh, it's either, wait, hold on. Uh, Dennis Felix. I've got his books. And they're, for some reason, Felix Dennis, that's the one. Um, and it's how to get rich as one of them and how to make money as the other. Yeah. They're, they're, he's just hilarious. The yeah. books are great. They really, um, they actually, because he talked a lot about the business side too and like just mindset around business. And so his, his stuff is really good. So those are, those are a hoot. I have fun with those books. I recommend those to the right person, but those are fun. <laughs> My people are like, what? I guess I have to, can I add my book? So I have my Are You Spiritual Entrepreneur book and my Chaos, A Wake Up Call for Lightworker book. And I'm working on two more right now. So I'm actually writing a book called Prosperity Patterns because it's about the patterns and how we create prosperity. So that'll, that'll be coming out. Um, let's see who else. And um, when's that coming out, by the way? It's in the midst. Of, I, okay. So I do this thing where I get, you guys actually, this is a good you kind of asked about this earlier, like, you know, how do we manifest? How do we create? So if you are really working on yourself and you're doing the inner work and like I'll meditate and stuff, I will ask what's the next step. And I thought I had another book. So I do have a book that I'm in the middle of creating called uh, the secrets of a spiritual coach. That is like, it's, it's part written, but then I got this really clear, this is what you need to do. So I just start to, I now try to live in my inspiration and follow what I am hearing and to do. So I started this prosperity patterns thing. And so what I'm doing right now is I actually have a bunch of my clients who volunteered to be part of this uh, little program that I'm kind of putting together because I want to see them transform um, their prosperity. And it starts with tithing. So I told them the only way they could do this for free with me is that you have to be tithing 10% of your gross income. And it was funny because I started the call, the call like 20 some odd people on this particular call. And I said, who's 100% committed to, um, or who wants to create more prosperity in their life? Everyone raised their hand. I said, who's 110% committed to creating this income and having this amazing life? Everyone raised their hand. I said, who wants to create magic in your life? Everyone raised their hand. I said, great. I have an opportunity for you, but you have to got tithe 10% of your income and I talk about tithing in kind of a different way. And I said, but that has to be your commitment. And only like half the people signed up. And I thought that was really funny. I'm like, oh, so you're really, you want to be spiritual and prosperous until I say you have to make a commitment and a faith leap and you, you won't do it. So I just, I had to share because I thought that was hilarious. But <laughs> I'm very curious, wait, what was the actual tithing amount? Was it like 10% of whatever your income 10% was? 10% of your gross, whatever your income is. So the idea being that, okay, so I see money as energy. Because everything oh, no. is. So, I, right? I agree with the idea, but keep yep. going. Yeah. yeah. So everything's energy. And now I'll admit, so I was tithing, tithing and watching. And my, I can actually see a direct correlation between my tithing and my income. So when I'm tithing, I make more. It just is. And I take, so, but I was taking that 10%. And I, my uh, opportunity there was that I didn't know where to send it. 
And so I had picked a person, he's a famous, uh, the Reverend Ed Bacon, who had been on like Oprah Winfrey's show and stuff. And I had started tiding to where he was, which is where I was living at the time in Pasadena, California. And things were amazing, met him, great connection. He actually married my husband and I. And so, um, but we, I was tithing there and then he retired and then it didn't feel right to tithe to that church, that, to that church anymore because his message wasn't there. So then I found out he ended up going to another place in Georgia. And um, so I started tithing there and then now he's retiring and I'm like, it just didn't feel right. So every time I stopped tithing though, because it didn't feel right. Cause I felt like I had, not that I was giving to a church cause I'm not a church person, but it was his message more, what I was tithing towards. But then it just didn't feel right again. So I would stop. And then I watched my income drop as I stopped. And so um, I was actually, here's another book, The uh, Four Spiritual Laws of Prosperity by Edwin Gaines. And um, she uh, talks about tithing in a different way. And it's funny, I've interviewed her and everyone that would hear me speak about money, because most of my money stuff is a download and, and of information that I feel like I'm getting. And so when uh, I, people would hear me speak, they'd be like, have you studied under her? You sound just like her, which made me nervous to read her stuff because I didn't want to feel like I was saying the same thing. So I hadn't read her stuff till recently. Literally the book fell off the shelf at my feet. And I'm like, okay, I got it. So I read it in, it's not in a very big book. So I read it in like two days, but she talks about tithing from the pr perspective of tithing which is giving your 10 percent, which is the energy that we receive anyways and if we're tapped into source we know that it all comes from us and through us and it's all connected that's a whole nother conversation but Did you, you take it title again? um it's the four spiritual laws of prosperity or okay i think that's it and um so but she talks about tithing just tithing wherever you're spiritually fed whoever it is, whenever it is, instead of doing this more structured, like it has to go to one place. And so she was like, just wherever. And I'm like, that felt so good. I'm like, that's really exciting. So I immediately started doing this. And this was only like, I don't know, three, four weeks ago when I was like, I'm going to start tithing differently because I had stopped tithing again. And I was watching my income drop again. And I'm like, how do I do this? So then I was like, this is great. So I started creating a list of the people that I would give to who just inspired me. And so I've started doing that and amazing to watch the income bump. Just say that that's amazing. It's literally amazing to watch that just happen. And then, um, and then it just feels freaking awesome. It's like when you surprising people with gifts of money and you, and you explain it, like, I would like to share this energy with you. Cause that's how I talk about it. I'd like to share this energy with you because you spiritually fed me, you inspired me. So thank you. And people have been, it's amazing to watch them be blown away. Yes. And then you feel incredible. Like it's, yeah. it's like Christmas every day. I'm having so much fun. I'm like, this is what it's supposed to feel like when you give money away. This yep. is, is it. And the crazy part out of all of that is that as you're giving that away, because it's such an unhappy space, then now it's now creating more money for you to come yep. in because like, this is good. Add more. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. well, if I want to give more away, I need more to give away. So I let's, your brain starts doing the math and working for you. So it's very powerful, by the way. Yeah, so powerful. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, that time just have a little bit of cough. Uh, last thing, though, before we shoot off, guys, if you head on over to KimberlyMasker.com, please go ahead and check her stuff out. Check her podcast out. Get in touch with her work with her in some way, shape, or form. I 
trust me, you've only seen the tip of the iceberg. I know that. She knows that. And you definitely know that. So if you're, especially if you're in the spiritual realm as well, and you're going into coaching and that kind of business, reach out to her and see how you guys can work together. As always, rate, review, subscribe to this show. Uh, and also check out our new podcast when it comes out, because I will be referencing in the next couple, which is Greatest Copywriter of Life, both the website and the new podcast. And I'll see you guys very soon. Take care. And Kimberly, it has been a pleasure. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Take care, guys. Bye.